You're listening to the Elevate Your Brand podcast, where we talk to some of the smartest entrepreneurs and fastest growing brands on the market today. I'm your host, Laurel Mintz, a reformed corporate M&A attorney who founded award-winning LA-based marketing agency, Elevate My Brand. We've elevated some of the world's biggest brands from Facebook, Paw Patrol, and Verizon to innovative startups you haven't even heard of yet. Are you ready to elevate your brand? Keep listening. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Elevate Your Brand. I, of course, am your host, Laurel Mintz, and I am joined today by Warren Brown, who is the president and CEO of Countertop Productions, who makes Spark Bites, which are amazing, delicious. Warren, thank you so much for being with us today and for sending over your tasty products. Tell us a little bit about you and the brand. Um, Well, thanks for having me, first of all. It's great to talk with you again, Laurel. Um, And I want to say a warm welcome and hello to your listening audience. Um, It's exciting to be here. Um, Spark Bites. So what can I say? Like they are, so technically, what they are is a vegan, gluten-free scone, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, but that doesn't necessarily mean anything to anybody, and I think a lot of people think scones might be gross, disgusting, dry, et cetera. Dry. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah, right? Powdery. So it's, it's, it's just a scone in terms of, like, the skeletal matrix of what the ingredient categories are starch and fats and hydrates and in mixins if you will the i know first that time someone mean... like you has come on and talked about the scientific makeup of a product in the first <laughs> exactly. three minutes yeah right <laughs> so like but that's how that's the way i think like when i'm yeah, looking oh, at I a know. recipe yeah and jumping in so i i really want to look at a, a recipe in that way especially if it's baking and so I, it, it gives lots of advantages, and I'm happy to go into the details of what that might be. But essentially, I feel like it gave me a, um, like a, you know, a, a target to like throw the darts against of like if I need to hold something together, what kind of starch and how much of that starch do I need? And then yeah, relative it's like a to that, framework, yeah, yeah, and a relative to that amount of um, starch on there. What do I need to sweeten it, to soften it, to make it so it has lots of clumps that are really good and tasty? How much spice can I drive into it? Like that kind of thing. And when you're when you're baking professionally, you're really looking at what's my ingredient that's at 100%, and then I'm building off other ingredients in relationship to that that core ingredient, which is typically flour, like wheat flour. Uh, mm-hmm. And in this case, my core, my dominant ingredient was rice flour. And so I built the, the, uh, the treat around that. And I had a real specific set of goals and I had a real specific set of parameters. Um, and I was able to just kind of uh, get it in there and not like right away. It took a long time to build spark bites. And, and then it's funny because it, it's really like a second generation of a, item that we used to make in our brick and mortar bakery, uh, Cake Love. And that was like back in 2005 or six, back when I was on, on Sugar Rush on Food Network. And, mm-hmm. and like that item was great. It was tasty. 
But everyone, and this one guy in particular said to me, hey, you know what? When we come into your bakery, like, I'm off the diet. I don't want to see anything healthy. I just want, like, you know, the buttercream or the, you know, stuff on top of the cupcakes. So uh, <laughs> our, healthy, our healthy granola-like snack that um, is the pre- predecessor of Spark Bites, it, it just uh, didn't take off the way I wanted it to. Um, so mm. I unearthed uh, an old recipe and brought it back or brought it up to date and after many attempts and uh, and a lot of revisions of work on the packaging etc we have the modern day spark bite so at its core first of all this is baking is so scientific and i don't know if people really understand that we actually work with quite a few bakeries um it's a a focus for us um but it's such a scientific approach and there's something that's so interesting about someone who makes a product like that versus pretty much any other category of cpg right especially in the food and beverage category um I, i think it takes a very unique mindset and a very it's a very specific type of entrepreneur um, yeah. But at its core, you know, Spark Bites are snackable, wholesome energy bites, right? right? In a multitude of flavors. I think you have six flavor profiles currently. Is that correct? That's correct. Yep. Will you run us through the flavor profiles and the inspiration behind them? I think our audience would love that. They're, sure. Most of our audience are real foodies. Okay, that's cool. Cool. So um, energy, um, an energy bite. And some of them are energized. Like how, where's the energy and what is it? So we've yeah. got flavors that are caffeinated. There's coffee, there's matcha, red beet. Red beet's caffeinated with uh, guarana. Um, mm-hmm. And then we have three flavors that are not caffeinated. Uh, that's cinnamon crunch, Mumbai masala, and then cocoa. And just a footnote, the cocoa is, of course, caffeinated with uh, cocoa or from like cocoa powder. Uh, mm-hmm. But it's minimally caffeinated, so we kind of consider that as a non-calf flavor. So um, safe to give to the kids. <laughs> it is, yeah, safe to give. But uh, but if you're really sensitive, and I kind of am, like then I stay away from some forms of chocolate, like late at night or you know after a certain hour. Um, sure. But that's just that's just me. I'm like crazy sensitive to those kind of things. Um, the you know the story behind spark bites is like i was saying like we unearthed uh, we took over a, a old recipe but the 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 request that i was really trying to fulfill that gave me those parameters of what it is is that um for the cannabis industry people really uh, yeah yeah so i had some people who come came to me and said hey listen i need a I need a uh, an item that can be dosed with cannabis, CBD or THC or or both, um, and I need it for people who are essentially restricted to what they can eat because this is for the medical marijuana market. This is hmm. prior to when it was, uh, you know, for recreational, and we're going back sure. to like uh, 17, 2017 or so in the DC area. And um, so I was like, okay, if you're on medical um, marijuana or, you know, if you're just, if you're, if your health may be compromised in some way so that you have a prescription for cannabis, um, maybe you need something that won't irritate your stomach or trigger off any allergies that, you know, any person might have. So Mm -hmm. I was really after making something that doesn't have major allergens in it and that and is that because of your own sensitivities as well like is that where your root of the knowledge around that came from or this was driven by demand 
De, it was driven by demand that we saw in the bakery. Um, so we, I operated brick and mortar bakeries in DC area, and we'd have people coming in like from the beginning, like that's back in two thousand two, who were asking for you know an item that essentially was gluten free or was vegan or didn't have nuts, uh, you know, or any of these different didn't have eggs, like things like that. And I really wasn't aware of how sensitive people were in the market for, you know, how, how many allergies were out there. I thankfully don't have a lot myself. Um, there's people who are gluten sensitive in my family and I probably am one too, but you know, when I was growing up, I wasn't really, I didn't have a lot of allergies. I didn't have to worry about that. I also think they didn't recognize a lot of those. Like that was a lot, not yeah. a thing when I was growing up. Or maybe yeah, it wasn't. Yeah. People just were like, oh, whatever, you're just you know, being silly. But it's mm-hmm. such a major issue nowadays. Is that, it's do you huge. think it's genetic or is it because, is well, it because you know, of GMO food? I think it's partly because of either GMO food or like some of just some of the other things. Like I was just talking to a guy who was linking, he was making the illogical argument of some pesticides out there and how they've affected mm-hmm. some of the food and how they're getting into our body and affecting our body. And what's, now, I've kind of heard those before, but the way that he was kind of walking through the argument, I was like, well, that's compelling. Uh, mm. I don't really want to speak to that right now just because I don't know the ins and outs of it. But sure. suffice to say that like he was like, listen, some of the pesticides are killing items that are on wheat in the field, and that pesticide makes it all the way through the food chain into your belly and start killing off things that are in you that you really need to digest the wheat. So that then can lead to like gluten intolerance. So it was, it was interesting. I'd say definitely check it out because a lot of those things that, you know, people want to say, Oh, that's uh that's um, boogeyman or conspiracy theory in the food world. Like a lot of times that turns out to be damn true. Well, and there's so many kids and adults, frankly, who are suffering with those symptoms. So it's it's their reality. Yeah. And the incidence of it is great enough that there's got to be a correlation to something. And the timing may work out quite, you know, kind of, uh, it might fit perfectly. But anyway, well, I think that you've you've hit on a need in the market, like you said, and you were early days already in this space. And now you're just creating something that is a direct reflection of what your audience wants, which is what any good businessman does or person, business person. <laughs> yeah. And we were trying, but the, the, well, thanks. And the thing is that what I was really, what I try to be really mindful of, and this goes to like the baker in me and the scientific baker in me is like, let's let the food product be what it's going to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so like, I'm, I'm looking for something that's going to be a snack, a treat that's got these different flavors in it, but it's also, um, uh, recognizes different sensitivities. So, you know, I don't want to try to defy, uh, logic and nature and make a cake item when it doesn't really exist. It's not really out there, uh, and able for me to create. I just wanted mm. to take these ingredients, put them together in the best possible format, and then see what it was that they came out as. And respect and respecting the ingredients is what it sounds yeah, like to me. Yeah. yeah. And that's where I got like this. I tell you, the first time I made the like the first prototype of this um spark bite, I made it uh I made the dough and I looked at it and it looked like a like is that stuff called a terrazzo, a terrazzo, the like the the flooring. 
that uh, oh, was really speckled yeah. Ter- hat. Terracotta? Looked, not terracotta, but like the um, kind of like the 1950s style flooring that were these huge panels with the metal between each one and like it would be in the institution. That, it was in the floor of like the Cleveland Institute of Music that I go to for piano all the time. And this architect told me, I, I, I have to get the name exactly what it was, but it's just such a beautiful pattern. Oh, I love um, that. I hope you have pictures all, of that. Yeah, it, it reflected all the ingredients that are in there. And the dough was malleable and soft and it was it was it wasn't it was tacky but not wet and sticky. And it it just looked beautiful, Laurel. I was like I love it. That, like this is like the it's just like the the perfect kind of like when you're making a cookie dough. Because in a lot, in mm-hmm. a lot of ways it is like a cookie dough. Like you don't want the dough to be sticking all over to the bowl. You want it to right. come off the bowl and so that like it makes cleanup really easy, which is great, but it's also reflective of a dough that's in balance. You know, the, totally. way, like, the ratios are right. And it's not gonna be like, you know, soggy, wet, greasy, and it's not gonna be dry, cakey, chalky. It's really just in that like, you know, that that perfect balance. And um I love it. Yeah, so We're going to take a really, really quick break, yeah. Warren. Um, I've been running over because I'm just so fascinated with the story, and I love listening to you talk about food. I could listen to you talk all day. We're going to take a really quick break. I'll be right back. If you're listening to this podcast, it's probably very likely that you've worked with a marketing agency that hasn't really worked out. That's why Elevate My Brand has developed our roadmap to marketing process. We use an extremely data-driven approach to show you exactly what your competitors are doing in the omnichannel space so that we can develop a strategy and tactical approach to success in your marketing. Call us today and let's get mapping. All right. Thanks for sticking with us. And if you're just tuning in, I am chatting with my friend Warren Brown, who's the president and CEO of Countertop Productions. And we were talking about uh, the production of Spark Bites and how you like hit on that dough. And it was like perfect and looked like art almost. Uh, the right consistency, the perfect co- combination of ingredients were the ingredients themselves shown through. And then I so weirdly cut you off. <laughs> oh, no, no, not at all. No, I have a tendency to kind of keep on going. <laughs> um, but, uh, but yeah, so we, I was, you know, busy in the shop making this prototype and uh, what came out of it was uh, the six flavors that we've got. And um, I, I love them for the different functions and flavors that they are, you know, so my, my favorite uh, to start the day with, I think, is I'd say it's coffee. Um, mm-hmm. I love the caffeine hit that's in it. Uh, we mm-hmm. use real coffee. We use a real coffee extract. Um, I love the taste texture of it. Uh, other caffeinated flavors that I, I will have, and it's really just one type of flavor per day and one serving per day. Whereas like we have four servings in a bag. So a serving is just like one ounce, three mm-hmm. to five pieces. Uh, in the satisfying in the though it really does you you feel it almost yeah, right? instantly yeah right but it, and right. you feel full from it like it's a it's a good snack moment yep chia seeds oats uh long chain and short chain carbs that we have going mm-hmm. on in there for giving you like the quick energy caffeine and some of them for the energy and then um the other aspect of the energy and this like might get to a bit of tmi before I get into the other flavors, is that we're really looking to give your body the ingredients that it needs so that it can, like, take care of itself. And Mm -hmm. what we mean here is is prebiotics that um, are ingredients, the oats, the flax seeds, um, 
the pumpkin seeds, a whole bunch of different things that are in there. Naturally occurring prebiotic ingredients that survive and make it all the way down to your colon. And mm-hmm. then the bacteria that are in your colon feed off of that. And they really help aid in full digestion so that you have, uh, so you don't carry around excess weight waste that uh, you otherwise would get rid of. The shorthand on that worm is, is it gets you going. <laughs> it, do, it does. <laughs> it really does. And I, I mean, I like that. I need that. I'm kind of addicted to totally. that. Totally. Um, yeah. I, uh, I'm a big coffee in the morning to get me going kind of person. So I love that this was a, a moment of that without having to worry about, did my coffee pot run the right way? Do I have to put it in a mug and take it with me? All the things. It was, it's so easy. Um, did you, did I just you love the, the red, Did you try the red beet? Uh, spark bites? I'm not a beet fan, but I did no. give it to Cody on our team who's a vegan and he said he really enjoyed them. Yeah. Well, what's nice about those too is that so they're caffeinated with guarana, uh, mm-hmm. South American caffeinated berry that is really like two and a half times as potent as the caffeine in coffee. Uh, so that it's, wow. Yeah. It, it's, uh, you know, it's only 37 milligrams for like a one ounce serving. But it really has a bit of more of a bite to it, um, and it's a different impact. It's not like in your organs, in your heart, making your heartbeat you know rate jittery. It's mm-hmm. more in the muscles, and it just gives you like it just gives it, you the go. As the kids would time. say, it hits different. <laughs> it, does. it really does, and the in the difference between the matcha and the coffee and the guarana and the red beet. They're all really different in terms of the caffeine yeah. hit. And so I, I like that and I, I use that to my advantage just to kind of like, you know, crank out the work I got to do during the day. Um, oh, man. Don't I feel yeah. that? Um, yeah. I want to pivot the conversation a little bit and talk about your entrepreneurial journey. Um, did you start out? You started out as a baker always or I know you have a music background as well. Like take us through your trajectory from, sure. you know, start to creating these, these brands. Lawyer turned baker. I um. And actually, I was at, it was in your neck of the woods for a while before I was a lawyer. So I, I was a health educator coming out of college. And I spent a mm-hmm. year living in Hollywood and working out in San Fernando and Pacoima um, in the San Fernando Valley. And uh, mm-hmm. when That's I was where I am there, right now. I'm in Toluca Lake. Yo, yo. Right, right. I think <laughs> I went to a school that was there. And so I was yep. like, I was the, uh, the guest lecturer talking about sex education to most of the high schools. There are a lot of the high schools out there. And we huh. you know, covered all these different topics. But I found that the kids had a lot of questions that the materials, the curriculum just didn't contemplate. And so yeah. I went to law school to try to get credentials so that I could affect change with sex education. And, Interesting. You know, yeah, it it really was, but no one wanted to talk about it. Not then, not now. No, no one wants to talk about that. Um, so I, I just kind of demurred and said, "Well, I got to work as a lawyer because I got this law degree. Let me get a job that I can." And I was, you know, proud of the job I got, which was a litigator for the federal government. But it just didn't speak to passions of mine. Mm. And so two years after that, I left it and I departed to pursue a dream to work with food. And I had just started baking, I don't know, like two, three, basically I started baking when I started being a lawyer. Um, I couldn't have dinner parties anymore, like to invite lots of other people that I used to have in, in a grad school because I was living and now out of like a single apartments and studios and stuff like that. So there's no room. 
Mm. But you can have people over for dessert. And when I started doing that, not only did I realize that having a dessert party is a lot more fun than having a dinner party because people bring champagne and a chocolate cake <laughs> and it's later at night, you know, so all that stuff. But, um, but I also just kind of, I started marching through recipes and, and learning something different. And I, I really got into, you know, like what I was learning and I love huh. the science behind it. And that was a that's nice, so uh, cool. Yeah, kind of an unexpected uh, treat. So that's a background, yeah. like lawyer turned baker who was dissatisfied and wanted to just get into something new. I totally get that. I mean, you know that I'm a reformed lawyer myself, so I get oh, that more yeah. than most. I would think. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I forgot mm-hmm. that when we first um, chatted that you were a lawyer as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. So much respect for that. And uh, and that you also decided that you weren't going to continue following that path, that you were really going to follow your passion, which is, again, what I ended up having to do, or not having to do, getting the option to do as well. Looking yeah. back, uh, would you have done anything differently? Or do you think that everything was a, a stepping stone along this journey? I mean, I think I would do it. I don't know. I mean, I think there's a lot of things I would could do differently. It, um, I never would have imagined that the discussion about sex education, date rape would continue in the way it has. Um, Mm -hmm. I thought that people would have learned, but, you know, silly me. Um, So in some ways, I guess I wish I was still involved in that discussion uh, because it's uh, it's a really important one. But I don't know if I would have ever had the patience for that. Um, And I and I had a lot of fun doing the cakes. But I, you know, of course, I would try some things a little differently and and not rush and not push. But a lot of those things that I am critical of myself about are really of course, we're of, our own worst enemies. <laughs> yeah, and it's like issues of crystal ball. Like, you know, you can't read yeah, the future. Right. You really just can't. Right. So, you know, no, I uh, I think you're right. I shall let the past be that and stay in the future, stay in the present and look into it. I love life. it. Let's, <laughs> let's take another quick break. We'll be right back. Who says you've got to be big to get things done? We know that size matters in some things, but in other things like marketing, a small and scrappy team like Elevate My Brand can really take your brand to the next level. Our job is to create visibility so you can create profitability. Give us a call today and let's schmooze. All right, chatting with my friend Warren Brown, who is the president and CEO of Countertop Productions. Um, I want to pivot and talk about the entrepreneurial journey and best practices. So what lessons have you learned along the way? Because like I said, we have a lot of foodies on the, uh, that listen to the podcast and a lot of people who are in CPG, specifically in F&B. So I'd love to hear any of your best practices, lessons, hard knocks that you got up from along the way. Um, sure. There's, I guess, so many. But um, it's, you know, I think a lot of people struggle with whether or not they hire a broker. You know, what, what do you do? How do you do sales? How do you get sales? How do you really kind of, mm. you know, find your way to that? I think it's difficult. Um, we've had some success with brokers. We've had a lot of frustration with brokers, uh, sales people that like are in-house in staff. But you also find some clients want to talk directly to the, um, to the manufacturer themselves. Um, nobody sells your business like you do ever. I think that's true. But then like there's, there's some people who just don't want to deal with, um, they don't, they don't want to say no. They don't want to say no to the manufacturer, to that business owner. They, they are afraid they're going to hurt their feelings or get involved, you know, get involved in some way. And it's really, (laughs) yeah, I think what's tough is like, I mean, there's plenty, believe me, there's plenty of people who don't, well, you know what? I don't even know. (laughs) I I would say that there's, there are plenty that will say no. 
But there's more that won't. And what they'll say is nothing. They don't uh, say anything the, the, back. They it ghost is, you. It's a black hole. And like, yeah. I mean, I think if there's one thing that I would seek to have changes to the culture and the F&B industry to get rid of that black hole, let me just leave you hanging. I'm not going to get back to you ever. The, that, the currency, that, like, that's the currency that people trade on. And it's terrible. Because I it, agree, but I don't think it's just F and B, Warren. I think that that's across the board. Because I'm on the service side, and we get that same stuff. So I don't yeah. think it's F and B specific. Yeah. I think it's more of a like just show up and be a adult human person. Yeah, situation. Yeah, I mean, just music, and and <laughs> right. that's the thing. It's like you have to you have to realize that like in you know in life you're gonna say no to people, and I know how difficult yeah. it is when you do say no because some people flip out on you. They just, they start, they, you know, die, Jekyll and Hyde. And, uh, and you get this reaction that you never otherwise would have ex- expected. But um, I think that people need to um, express how they feel. And uh, I think it, it's good for the, for the one speaking and for the one who's spoken to. Um, but anyways, like, you know, how do you, how do you get sales is really what I think most people are concerned about. And, you know, short of putting forward the best, foot and the best product and all that kind of stuff um yeah i wish i had the crystal ball (laughs) i wish (laughs) i wish i knew i was waiting for the sage advice (laughs) yeah yeah i know i know we we i mean we we've tried things that and i know that we have some things that work with some sales uh efforts but a lot of times frankly it, it comes down to a whole a whole mix of things um, that you're often not in control of. And sometimes it's just darn luck. I mean, like, for example, sometimes you just have to come across an opportunity when there's a new buyer in in town, you know, for Mm -hmm. the retailer, they just want to plant their flag and, you know, make it known to all the powers that be that they can find product and hear some new stuff that they want to put in. But you sometimes can't. Big box retailers or is it across the board? I think kind of thing anywhere. I mean, like it just, it, it can be anywhere. It, it just is a matter of like, did you find, is the buyer that you're looking for interested in anything? You know, do mm. you have something that speaks to them? Uh, and is the timing right? So much of it's really just about the, the timing of it all. I mean, how are there people... seasonal buying, are, are there seasonal buying cycles for um, F and B in your category? Do you think, or is that shifted now forever with COVID? No, I, it, it's just uh, whenever the review is, that's the buying time. That's it. Mm-hmm. Like this Got whole, it. all this talk that someone's going to throw at you that like, oh no, they're going to squeeze it in or they're going to, you know, you, you'll be able to get in, you know, early or something. No, the, you, you got one or two cracks at the apple per year for presenting a product. And mm-hmm. um, if you miss the spring, then maybe you can get in the fall, but you know, it's like, you got to have your stuff in front of somebody between January and May, or you just wait till the next year. And wow. um, okay. it, yeah. And every different retailer is a little different as to when they have their reviews and their resets and what they call them and all that kind of stuff. But mm-hmm. it, um, it just, share uh, with us what's a reset for those who don't know the jargon. Sure. So um, just when a retailer is going to redesign what products, what, what brands and what products they're carrying on shelf. And they may have a planogram, like a, a map, essentially, of different brands and where they sit on the shelf. And sometimes they will call that a POG for plan-o-gram. Sometimes mm-hmm. they'll call it a reset uh, for just a, a change of what's on the shelf there. And um, 
you know, different industries or different channels have uh, a different pace to it. Like the convenience store channel, uh, mm-hmm. you know, every 13 weeks, they basically turn it around. Some of wow. the clubs. Yeah. And yeah. And so it's like, you could, you got to perform really fast. You got to really, really perform really fast. And, and by uh, perform, you mean sell through. Sell. Yeah. Sell. Yeah. Products got to sell through. They got to like, be like, it's got to light it up. And that's the thing. It's like a new product is really never going to work in that kind of channel because um, no one wants to pioneer. Nobody, no buyer really wants to be the first person to bring in a new product. If they are willing to do that, that's great. But it, it it's really going to be limited in terms of what the opportunity is to continue. Um, and in the meantime, that new brand will probably get hammered with all kinds of charges fees etc um you know i mean that's that's so that's one kind of thing timing do you have the right buyer are they there are they staying um you know that kind of thing i think a lot of it also comes down to packaging and what the product looks like and whether or not you can see what it is and you can read it and you know, all yeah, you've I done a lot that. of repackaging. I know that's been a big yeah, um, ship yeah, for you lately. Yeah, from labeling, we had two different product lines essentially: the cake jars and the spark bites. And we learned tons doing the cake jars, uh, and we try to apply that to the spark bites. But it, it, it's so weird. Like I did a, I did a test for essentially just like a version of the spark bites, just to get something out there uh, and to see what the reaction would be. Had I done it all over again, I think I would have just waited to have something closer to what I wanted as the prototype for the bag design. Mm. And just as opposed to doing like, it fast. Yeah, yeah. Cause it like it didn't save me any money doing it fast. Actually like the stickers that we use were more expensive than the bags if I got a small prototype run. And then like you just gotta explain yourself. Like how many times do I have to explain oh this is version a we're gonna do version b and it's gonna be totally different all this stuff like you no one's paying attention after that uh, they they don't <laughs> like they don't like seeing an at bat where you're like you know in the minors but really you know right you're like, like testing it on them they're like yeah, no, no, we want yeah. you to be in the majors they don't want here to see that. they want to see you all ready to go so like you know that that was a huge thing for me to have learned and then totally one other thing just like this is kind of on the same line that like nobody wants to see the they want they they need to touch and feel the finished product, yeah. Uh, and that's hard because you sometimes are developing a product that you feel is responsive to what the market wants. You don't want to sink all the money into developing a whole new thing, but no one really will buy on spec of what it might be. They still right. need to see that finished thing. So you know, I uh, I could talk to you for hours about <laughs> what I feel like I've learned and, and haven't learned, but in a nutshell. That's that them is where I got. I love it. Well, we're actually completely out of time. I can't believe how fast this went. I feel like you're yeah, such a too. wealth of knowledge know. as it relates to uh, the CPG FMD world. And um, the last little bit I just want to call out is that, you know, of course, you are um, a black owned business, which is so important right now to support. And I want to make sure people know how to support you. So if you can share sure. where they so can f- find you, that would be a great yeah. uh, last little bit here. Sure. So find us at our website, sparkbytes.net. You can make purchase. You can read about us. You can find us on Amazon, Warren Brown's Spark Bites. You can purchase there. Uh, we are, you know, we're in CVS and we're glad to be there. Uh, 
Um, I can't tell you exactly if we're in your CVS in your neighborhood. We're at health hubs, but only some of them. So just suffice to say, we're glad to be at CVS and uh, hoping for more expansion. And uh, we're at Kroger and, and many of the Kroger banners. But um, if you're looking and you would like product, just go to our website, sparkbites.net. We can ship to you. You can buy on Amazon and get it shipped to you. And you can get the benefits of all those great energy snacks. <laughs> I love it. Well, Warren, thank you so much for spending some thank time you, with, uh, with us really and our audience today. You're always so much fun to talk to. And, you know, I'm a big fan of yours and the product Thanks. and of food, food and beverage in general. So anytime I can chat with an entrepreneur uh, that's like-minded, I love that opportunity. So thank Good. you again Lovely for the time. Thank you. And thank you to everyone who tuned in. Stay tuned for more from Elevate Your Brand coming up next.